must get to the bridge. I must get to the bridge. On the bridge. Once I cross the bridge, I'll be safe. I just have to get to the bridge. All the stories of ghosts and goblins that he had heard in the afternoon now came crowding upon his recollection. The night grew darker and darker. The stars seemed to sink deeper in the sky, and driving clouds occasionally hid them from his sight. In the dark shadow of the grove, on the margin of the brook, he beheld something huge, misshapen, black, and towering. It stood not, but seemed gathered up in the gloom, like some gigantic monster ready to spring upon the traveler. On mounting a rising ground which brought the figure of his fellow traveler in relief against the sky, gigantic in height and muffled in a cloak, Ichabod was horror-struck on perceiving that he was headless. Faster gunpowder, faster, faster gunpowder. Go away, go. To the bridge, to the bridge. If I can but reach that bridge, I am safe. Just then he saw the goblin rising in his stirrups, and in the very act of hurling his head at him. No, no, no! <laughs> Down to earth, the trash! You can't, you want I don't go into a garbage can and go, oh, it smells Why so... That, was that big of. plate of... Fish guts or whatever looked and reminded me of the big giant plate of potatoes and stuff that sloth eats in the goonies. <laughs> Keep your flour away yeah. from the stove. Stop making highly bread. combustible. Because <laughs> I don't want I don't want those people coming at me. All your obsessive four <laughs> questions to Butler. I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler, and we've returned from the graveyard of podcasts to bring you a five episode block of shows as you now enter. Forgotten Horror Part 5, A New Beginning. Each episode, we discuss a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Maybe they were being attacked by a creature or chased down by a headless horseman while walking home from the pub. Or perhaps the movie didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run, because they were pod people. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or perhaps don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you survived the Silver Shamrock mask promotion, we want to hear from you. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Like, share, and subscribe. Our podcast is available on all platforms for your listening displeasure. You did it. You got through the I Silver did. Shamrock. I purposely tried to go slow, so I would not get through it. <laughs> I noticed, and I'm sure our viewers also noticed the smile as, as you got through that. Of you course. were just like, yes. Well, I'm happy with myself. I'm proud. I'm proud that I was able to get through that tongue twister, even though I wrote the tongue twister like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know what? I got through it and we're good. And now we're on our way. How are you today, Mr. Butler? I am doing all right. You know, I got shipped out from uh, my cushy job in New York uh, to this small town in upstate New York. In the 1800s, in the 1799. Yeah, 1799. Yeah, 1799. Yeah. I got sent yeah. back and, you know, I'm just, 
I'm just ill-equipped for this. I mean, heads are rolling. People are dying. I just, I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm, I'm a pretty big coward too. So oh. I, I, I don't know. What well, I'm that's, that's, well then. All right, Butler, what movie are we doing today? We are doing Sleepy Hollow. What's it about? Set in 1799, Sleepy Hollow is based on Washington Irving's classic tale, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, which, I mean, if you don't know this movie, you should at least know that tale. Faithful to the dreamy, custom-bound world that Irving paints in his story, the film mixes horror, fantasy, and romance and features an extraordinary cast of characters that dabble in the supernatural. That That's not a synopsis at all. Who's dabbling in the supernatural? Uh, Everybody, apparently. Interesting. I just realized for the first like five, well, two, three minutes of this podcast, I have like his radio voice going on. What is my problem? Hello. And yeah. you're talking. It's really, really uh, inauthentic. Ichabod Crane is sent to Sleepy Hollow to investigate oh. the decapitations of three people. <laughs> I didn't know we were still doing synopsis. <laughs> the legendary apparition of the Headless Horseman. I just realized my first synopsis is absolutely not really a synopsis. Well, you also, you chided everyone in the first synopsis about how they should have known this story and read this book, read this short story. They should still, yes. How long is the short story? You remember? I had to read it way back in the day. It is, not, it is not long. It isn't? It's, well, it's long enough. It's short enough for you to read it in like middle school. Hmm. All right. So. Well, let's get into it. Sleepy Hollow has a runtime of 105 minutes. It's rated R. Production budget of somewhere between 70 million and 100 million, depending upon where you read it. Came out on November 19th, 1999. Not technically the Thanksgiving weekend. That was the Friday before the Thanksgiving weekend. But still, it's a, that's a big release. It's a, it's a holiday release. Uh, it's opening weekend. It did $30 million. Domestic, $101 million. International, $105 million for a worldwide total of $206 million. Do doubling its budget. And we're probably going to have some uh, explaining to do when we explain why we think this is forgotten, Butler. Uh, production company was Mandalay Pictures, Scott Rudin Productions, American Zotrope, and Tim Burton Productions, distributed by Paramount Pictures domestically and Summit Entertainment internationally. So I said it came out on the 19th of November in a wide release. It went up against The World Is Not Enough, one of Butler's favorite Bond films. Uh, <laughs> no. Although... Die Another Day makes the world is not enough look like uh, Bridge on the River Kwai. Die Another Day is with the diamonds and the dudes. The diamonds right? and the uh, but I like, ice temple. But I like when they're and I like when they're the it's, ice scene when they're chasing them down the ice when they're driving the car. Uh, that's okay. The yeah. best part of Die Another Day is the opening yeah, when I he like gets captured song. and he's yes. tortured. I was like, that's kind of that's tough. That's like action movie. Yeah. Like that's cool. I like the song too. I don't know why the Madonna song's not yeah. bad. Yeah, all right. The world's not enough has a good title song too. True. That's like true. Garbage. Limited movies that week were Mansfield Park and Liberty Heights. Now, the week after, you have two different days of releases. You have the uh, Thanksgiving weekend release on the November the 24th. And then you have that Friday after Thanksgiving. You had a couple movies that came out uh, on Thanksgiving weekend. The Wednesday, the 24th, you had End of Days, the Schwarzenegger's Fighting the Devil movie mm -hmm. and Toy Story 2, which was obviously a massive hit. Oh, yeah. The uh, on the 26th, the Friday after Thanksgiving, in a limited release, you had Flawless and Ride with the Devil. Did you see Ride with the Devil with Tobey Maguire? Wasn't that um, Ang Lee, uh, Civil War? Jewel, I believe, was in this. I don't think I did. Okay. I know of it, but I don't think I saw it. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. The week before the 19th, the 12th, you had in a wide release, The Messenger, the story of Joan Arc. It was only called The Messenger, I believe, back then. It wasn't. I think they added the subtitle afterwards. Yeah. Uh, and then you had Anywhere But Here, that's the Woody Allen film, and Dogma, the Kevin Smith movie. The, I love Dogma. Some people love it. Some people don't. You don't like it. It's, a, it's like, like your least favorite Kevin I Smith I like movie, parts right? of Dogma. I don't know. It, it's my. I think my one of my favorite Kevin Smith films is Chasing Amy. 
Um, but I, uh, it's it just, there's parts of dogma. I just, I'm just like, eh, not that I hate it. I just, I just don't love it as a, like the other stuff that I, he, he does. You haven't seen the new clerks. You haven't seen clerks three. I have not seen clerks. Yeah, three. You should. It's good. You should watch it just because you, you watch clerks and clerks do. And you know, for me, right. We're going to get on a tangent, but for me, <laughs> I clerks came out was when we started kind of doing film, me and my buddies. So it was, it was like an inspirational kind of a little movie. bit. Yeah. So it was kind of like watching me back then like what like because when they're in the movie they do some some flashback stuff where they show some pictures of them just like oh man i remember that oh, they, oh i remember that scene i remember this so it was kind of it was a little heartfelt like i say i cried i didn't cry i'm just saying it was heartfelt <laughs> all right so anyways you also uh the week before the wednesday before that the 10th you had a wide release of pokemon the first movie mewtwo strikes back mother's favorite and light I it up to, i did see that and light it up i did not see light it up. i did not see any of those films. okay you didn't see Pokemon, the first movie? Mewtwo Strikes Back? Is it, Pikachu dies. Is it Mew, Mewtwo Mew it, yeah. or Mewtwo? Mewtwo. Mewtwo, yeah. yeah. No, I didn't see that. Who dies? Pikachu? Pikachu. It's actually, it's sad. When you watch it as a kid, you, you're like. Did you cry? As a kid, yeah, because yeah. you thought he actually died. It take a while to bring him back, and it's just like, this isn't a kid's movie. What are you doing? <laughs> That's like when the G.I. Joe film had, a, had a movie, and they killed Duke in it. And I didn't cry, <laughs> but I was like, oh, man, they really killed Duke. <laughs> My God, they actually killed somebody. <laughs> then he came back the next season. He of course. shows up or something. You can't so, kill anyone so in G.I. Joe. So annoyed. <laughs> right, this movie was directed by Tim Burton, who has been nominated for two Oscars, but they were for animated features. So in a, in a producer role for Frank and Weenie, which we did on the show. And Corpse Bride. He also, wasn't nominated for Big Fish? No. Oh, wow. He did Big Fish. He also did Batman, and the 1989 Batman, and Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And I bring that up because obviously Paul Rubens passed away recently, which is pretty sad. So mm-hmm. rest in peace. Uh, screenplay and story. So there are two story credits, and we'll probably get into that a little bit. Uh, the story credit. Yeah. So there's a screenplay credit by Andrew Kevin Walker, who wrote the screenplay. The screenplay was also, uh, I think it was an uncredited rewrite or script doctor by Tom Stoppard. I have to. It was look doctored. That. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this there's a story credit to given to Kevin Yeager, and we'll get into or Yeager. We'll get into that later on. Uh, Andrew Kevin Walker has done Seven, The Wolfman. Uh, He's also uh, done the upcoming uh, 2023 film, The Killer, which is coming out this year. And then he's a, he's kind of a I think he gets a lot of his work. He does. He's a script doctor as well. So I think he does a lot of stuff. Right? If you don't know what script doctor Pro is owner under the radar, yeah, people get paid to rewrite other people's work, but they get paid to not have their credit put onto the movie. And they get a lot of money for it. A, a script doctor is kind of like a dream job. I would love to do that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Kevin Yeager has done uh, top makeup effects artist, but he has also worked. So he's worked on the TV show Bones and Bride of Chucky and a couple other horror films. Cinematographer was Emmanuel Lubezki, who is uh, who's won three Oscars for The Revenant, Birdman and Gravity. And he was also nominated for an Oscar for Tree of Life, Children of Men, The New World and A Little Princess. Composer was Danny Elfman. I, I'm a big Danny Elfman guy. I don't know if you are. I like when Danny Elfman does Tim Burton type stuff. Right. I don't like Danny Elfman when he tries to do other scores. Okay. I think he kind of tones. It's almost like he's forced to not be himself. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that. Like, I don't like his score in Terminator. Okay. And he did a couple of other like more serious dramas recently. And I'm just like, it feels like you're trying to like limit Danny Elfman from being Danny Elfman. Well, ha- have you ever, um, mm. I think we've talked about this. Have you ever heard his CD where he is do he's basically, it's an orchestra and they're performing his music that he's written. Um, I have to, sh- I have to give it to you. I have to show no, it to I've, you. I've heard his regular music. No, it, it's weird. just, it's really good. Okay. Um, but see, here's the thing with Danny Elfman. He did Mission Impossible. The music in Mission Impossible, aside from the act, the, the one that's, oh, you always hear the Lalo Schifrin one. Yeah. Um, 
the music in that in the first Mission Impossible is is more I can recognize it more than any other music in any other Mission Impossible. So do you did you like his music in that? I'd have to listen to the original Mission Impossible. What well, do you remember? Before. It was like dun 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 dun. dun oh yeah dun, yeah yeah. yeah. Dun, like like there's nothing like that in any of the other Mission Impossibles. But that's because it's big. It's it's kind of sure sure. He's almost kind of like John Williams esque in that it's like he's. A big if you get Danny Elfman, you should expect a big bombastic kind sure, of sure. score. Your music is going to be part of the movie mm-hmm. instead of just helping the movie along. So for those who don't know, Danny Elfman was nominated <laughs> for four Oscars for Milk, Big Fish, Men in Black, and Goodwill Hunting. He's also done The Night Before Christmas. He's actually the voice, right, of Jack Skeleton. He is the, he's the singing. He's voice the singing voice of Jack Skeleton, and he did the Simpsons theme. He's in many of the Simpsons stuff. He's also in Spider Man. Uh, yeah, I love the, that Spider-Man yeah. soundtrack. It's so good. We're talking about the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Yes. So not just not to be confused with the 45 other ones. <laughs> Edited by Chris LeBenson and Joel Negron. Uh, LeBenson has done, is nominated for two Oscars, one for Top Gun and Crimson Tide. He's also done Uncharted, a movie that we do not want to talk about, and Triple no. X. Negron has done Transformers Rise of the Beast, the recent one. Butler has yet to see that. Thor Ragnarok and 21 Jump Street, the movie. Produced by Scott Rudin and Adam Schroeder. Rudin has been nominated for 10 Oscars for, for Best Pictures. He's won one. No Country for Old Men. Jordan has done Chronicle, The Truman Show, and The Simple Plan. And then there's an executive producer credit by Francis Ford Coppola, who I think he just, I don't know why he's the executive. He must have started the project or something. I think he started the project when it was still at MGM. Yeah. And Tim Burton, until he saw the first cut of the trailer, didn't yeah. even know Francis Ford Coppola was attached to the project. Right, right. And he's obviously Godfather and, and a bunch of other Actually, he actually has a movie coming out this year. I think he does. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. Yeah. You have Johnny Depp as Ichabod Crane. Uh, I don't know if anyone is familiar with Johnny Depp as I try to get my notes because they seem to have slid off the page. Okay, here we go. Johnny Depp <laughs> has been nominated for three Oscars. Can you name those movies? Uh, we, did, we did one of them. Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, which one? The first one? The first okay, one, obviously. Right. No one's nominated the other ones. Although I don't hate the other ones. Um, Chocolat? Nope. No? No. We did one of the movies uh, for Forgotten Cinema. We did a Johnny Depp movie where he's We nominated. did. Uh, I got this. I've got this. It's not Chocolate? No. I, I, I said oh, no It's got to be. It's the only one we have there. He got, has to be nominated for Sweeney Todd. Yes. Okay. And Finding Neverland. So th- I always forget he's in Finding Neverland. Yes, I yes. like Finding Neverland. Yes. Amongst the many, many other films that Johnny Depp is in. Christina Ricci as Katrina Von Tassel. She's from Mermaids, Casper, Speed Racer, and the TV show Yellow Jackets. And the Adams Family. And the Adams Family, <laughs> yes. Uh, Mer- Miranda Richardson as Lady Van Tassel and Crone. She plays two parts, which we'll get into. She's nominated for two Oscars, one for Damage and the other for Tom and Viv. She's also in The Hours, The Crying Game. And if you're more recently, she's in the TV show Good Omens, which is on Amazon. Uh, Michael Gabon, Gambon, Gambon as Baltus Van Tassel. He's in Gosford Park, The Cook, The Wife, The Thief, and His Lover. And he is obviously... Dumbledore. Dumbledore in the Harry Potter series. He took over for uh, Richard Harris. There we go. And he was in Layer Cake, which is another movie that we did. We did. We did. Casper Van Dien as Brom Van Brunt. This was like the this was we're like smack dab in the middle of when Casper Van Dien was popular. Like he's like what two years after Starship Troopers. And then there's maybe like a couple movies after this and then poof. Yep. He's gone. I think he's also related to royalty. So I don't think he needs to. Work. He also has like 15 kids and something like that. Yeah. Like he's off. He's I'm not saying he, I'm not saying he's, you know, downtrodden. I'm sure. just saying he's no longer a, 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 a big time. As, as big movie. as he was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was blowing up and then it just right. faded away. He's Starship Troopers, Tarzan and the Lost City, 
Check that out. And the Omega Code. <laughs> Jeffrey Jones as Reverend Steenwick from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Howard the Duck in the TV show Deadwood. Richard Griffiths as Magistrate Philip Phillips. Nah, he's in the Harry Potter series. <laughs> Making him two and a half and Chariots of Fire. Ian McDiarmid as Dr. Lancaster. Who is he, Butler? Uh, he is Emperor Sheev Palpatine. <laughs> Correct. He's also Dirty Rotten Scoundrels and Gorky Park. Uh, Michael Goff as Notary Hardenbrook, who is Alfred from the Batman. The Tim Burton Alfred. Yes. He actually um, came out of retirement for this film. I read that. I thought yeah. that was cool. He's also in Top Secret, which is a very funny film. Funnier than Airplane, maybe. That's right. I said it. And Out of Africa. I like Airplane, but Top Secret is <laughs> really good. Mark Pickering as Young Masbeth from Calendar Girls and Les Miserables. And Christopher Walken as the Hessian Horseman. He's uh, been nominated for two Oscars, one one for The Deer Hunter, and then he was nominated for Catch Me If You Can. Uh, and he's also in the movie Hairspray. And then you had Lisa Marie in here as Lady Crane uh, from Ed Wood, Mars Attacks, and The Lords of Salem. Christopher Lee makes an appearance in the beginning here, or Burgomeister, or Master Burgomaster from Lord of the Rings and Star Wars series. I read that uh, his work in this movie kind of put him back in the spotlight in the to, spotlight how to he get got Lord of the Rings, Rings yeah. which is amazing. He says it in his autobiography, so it's got to be somewhat true. Why I think maybe because people that? forgot. And then they were like, oh, you worked with Christopher Lee? Oh, oh sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Martin Landau is an uncredited role in this. P.S. Peter Van Garrity's in the beginning. He gets his head chopped off. Spoiler. Uh, he's number one in Oscar for Ed Wood. He's in Crimes of Misdemeanors and Tucker. A Man in His Dream, just to name a few. And a movie that we did, Butler. I was trying to think of the name of it. I can't think of it off the top of my head. Royal Rumble, right? No? Ready to Rumble. Ready to Rumble. Ready to Rumble. Damn. Ready to Rumble. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. And he passed away, too. I didn't realize that as well. He's also in X-Files Fight the Future. It's a great movie. It is great. We we like we're, we're unapologetically uh, fans X-Files. of the X Files movies. <laughs> also, Christopher Walken, I think, is interesting to note because it's a small role. Was in Batman Returns with Tim Burton. This is true. There's a lot of people in this that Tim Burton has. Well, well because people used, you used know, again. You, yeah, you like, you know, you're familiar with. I don't. I have no. Same problem with the crew with when you were naming them. He uses a lot yeah. of his people. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. All right, we have both seen this film. Can't I probably have seen this film one time in the theater, maybe another time. I don't know when or where. I've seen probably bits and pieces of it. I'm sure you have as well. I used to. I, I know. I can't remember if I saw it in the theater. But not, I remember when I got it. I, I watched it numerous times when it first came out. And then I haven't seen it in probably well right, over so, a decade. So interesting. A so time. I'm curious. First thoughts. Anything changed uh, with, with you in, in this watch? I originally I really like this movie. Uh, but there are things in this movie that. Watching it again now, being older, having gone to school learning about storytelling and just just something that you pick up having watched more experience having more experience with films is that there's a lot of plot holes and contrivances Ooh, that are just like holes. well that's convenient or how do you know this again uh but it, i don't think it detracts from the story because i still think the we'll, we'll get into it the set design the cinematography the acting the characters the score it's just it's all a really good tim burton package and it's it's if you're a fan of tim burton which i am I think it's just a really great film to watch. Uh, it's a really great Halloween watch. But I do think that watching it again, there are some things that I was like, uh, mm. okay. but for the most part, I still really do like it. And I could probably forgive those things. Interesting. Interesting. All right. So well, maybe we should go into the story first before we go into well, kind of like, what about you? How do you, how, how do you feel? Uh, Cause now I'm curious how you're interesting. Interesting. Now I want to know. No, like, I, I think one of the things that oh, I always liked about this movie was that the idea that they built the entire town on a set sure, and they use the entire atmospheric uh, conditions within the um, studio. And they shot this in London. 
to create like the mist and the fog. And I, I thought that a lot really, of forced perspective right. that they were had to use. Yeah. I mean, the um, the filmmaker in me would really have wished they shot on location in, in upstate New York, where this play, which the story takes place. And they tried to. And they just really couldn't find something that really matched, I guess, what the look they were Still looking for. Still probably looked like what it did or so, something. Yeah, but it, it was nice to see. Uh, I I always like just, I don't care if it, oh, it's a set, but it, I like it because it's just, it feels like Hollywood. It feels like sure, a movie. Yeah. So, and I think there's a comment by McDiarmid who said, because um, he comes from Star Wars, Phantom Menace. So I guess this was shot in the same uh, location that they shot episode one Phantom Menace and he was he made the comment like it was nice to come from and I was just shooting with it was just blue everywhere and, <laughs> I come to here, and he said he says the same thing it felt like well, the way you was used to be make where you know you could work with the set and everything you could touch it you can feel it and it helps you get in the character I think there's something very very uh, real about that and I think that you know I think that's uh, that's the one thing I enjoy so I always remember that sure yeah um, just the look of it and the behind the scenes stuff uh, I guess I mean I don't I didn't I, I like it. I like the movie. Um, it's not it's I mean, Ichabod Crane in the in the short story is supposed to be this like gangly, ugly man. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you're not going to do that. I know that Johnny Depp said that. Yeah, no, let, let's do that. Let's uh, you, you want prosthetics. And you're, stuff, not, yeah. you're not going to do that. You know, you know what I mean? We're I don't sell tickets, Johnny. We can't. Yeah. I like the changes they made. He's not a school teacher. He's a he's an investigator. I did as well. Apparently in the original script um, before it was doctored, one of the when Tim Burton came on. They change it from being a school teacher. I don't think if you kept the story, which I, by the sound of it, they did. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense. A school teacher who's afraid of everything would be investigating murders. Well, well, that's the thing too. Plus, you, you're creating a, a protagonist now that you can root for because he's trying to solve a mystery. You can you can root for him because he's being brave and courageous, and he's he's standing up to a, a some kind of evil. If sure. you have the old Ichabod Crane where he's just like a mousy guy and he's just like whining. Then you don't care what happens to him. In yeah, the you're yeah. like, I don't give a crap about this guy. So no, I think you had to make that change in order for us to actually be into it. So I, I don't think anything changed for me, liking it or not liking it. I think it's a very, I, I like the style of it. I don't know if I would, I think I probably have the same things, issues that you have. I've never really felt this film was like, it's never a film that I've been like, you really need to see Sleepy Hollow. I'd be like, I saw Sleepy Hollow. That's pretty good. But like, you know, it's not a film that like I rush to watch, if that makes I mean, sense. I mean, I've been watching it a long time, but I would say if somebody likes Tim Burton, or even if they're like, I don't know if I like Tim Burton or not. It's a, everything's so like, and they only think Nightmare Before Christmas or something, which isn't even his film uh, or his directed film. Well, it's his idea. It's his idea right. in style. Right. Uh, I would say watch Sleepy Hollow because it's Tim Burton style, but it is like a murder mystery, like horror thriller it's it's not necessarily his typical shtick in a way yeah. although the style is within his well his aside style. from the pumpkin in the beginning which obviously is almost pulled directly from that's the scarecrow nightmare from before, the beginning yeah. of nightmare there's not it doesn't if you didn't know it was tim burton i don't know if you would guess it would be tim burton directed this film um there's still like the light the colors the look of the costumes especially mm -hmm. johnny depp's costume ichabod's like glasses and stuff well that's very stuff, yeah the props, the yeah. stuff that he pulls out of his bag. Yes. But yeah, the trees, I mean, they're all bare trees, but they aren't quite as uh, expressionistically long and pointed as they usually are in his other films. It's definitely not to the point of like Beetlejuice when they're in the afterlife mm -hmm. or Edward Scissorhands in every scene in Edward, mm -hmm. Edward Scissorhands. Uh, but I still think it definitely has Tim Burton style, but in, in a more real format to make it more of a thriller kind of movie. Mm hmm. Well, let's get into because we'll, we'll, we'll let's circle back. We'll circle back to the behind the scenes stuff. Let's get into some of the plot holes that you didn't like. Let's sure. get into the story of uh, uh, of uh, this movie. 
Give me something that right off the bat you noticed and you weren't really happy with. The first thing was, um, it was, it was absolutely when Ichabod sees the tree, the dead tree, where, towards where, the end. Okay. like the, toward the middle. Yeah, I got When you. he's first there and he's, he's now like convinced it's real and supernatural all of a sudden. This is, when, this is when he's chopping the tree? This is when, yeah, he finds the yep. heads and then he's right. digging up the body. Right, he goes, right. well, somebody took the head. Whoever has the head is controlling the horseman. Okay. We need to bring the head back and we'll stop the curse. It's like, how do you know this? Okay. You've not been into magic. Mm-hmm. You're all about analytical science. And now all of a sudden you're telling the townspeople how to stop a spell. And you all of a sudden know that the Hessian is after is being controlled by someone who has the head. Right. I, I thought that was just kind of preposterous. And I was just kind of like it. That definitely took me out of the movie for the first time. It never used to. But now I'm like, how do you all of a sudden know this? Yeah. I mean, I know we got to push the story along, but. Couldn't you read it in Katrina's books or, you know, find out from somebody? Mm-hmm. I, I just don't understand how he all of a sudden knows what to do. Yeah, I think if he was somebody who believed in the occult or had a, 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 An understanding. a not, yeah, because when he first shows up, it's almost like, nah, it's science, science is science and everything else is hocus pocus and right. it's not real and blah, 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 blah. So he, he, he positions himself as somebody who is a skeptic, a scully, but right. For some reason, there's a switch where he becomes the molder, and you don't really get that moment. Uh, where, you know, you don't really yeah, get that. Like, yeah, sense. you know, I, I get that. I understand that. That 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 makes sense. What did you think about his backstory with his mother and his father, and his mother's played by Lisa Marie? What did you What did you think about that? Did that Does that fit here? I don't think it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I get that it kind of connects him into the world of the supernatural as well, mm-hmm. and why he might be a little more scared of it. Uh, so I guess that works in terms of where his fear comes from. Right. But, you know, I think he's already a fearful guy. He doesn't like looking at the bloated body in New York at the very beginning. Yep. Um, so we don't. Do you think we need it? Because the only thing I it don't serves the purpose do. of is he solves the mystery when he's doing the thing, which doesn't make any sense. But um, <laughs> when he's using the I camera, what they call it with them, with the bird and the cage, the thalmograph. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Do we, we I don't really think we need any of that backstory I, I know you want it for the character but it connects him a little bit more to katrina in terms of being a love angle sure gives him kind of an oedipus kind of thing actually but sure it's still kind of you know she's into witchcraft his mother was or a child of the earth as he calls it or child of nature right uh, so i guess you need it there but i don't think you need it as much right unless it helps him solve the case which and it, it, it doesn't. doesn't like if that if she said something that helps him understand how to stop right. the headless horseman absolutely put that in there i mean like i think initially when i first saw the film and uh, maybe even a little bit now in this watch i think i always thought that she was either accused of being a witch by her husband or that she was a witch she was somebody who <clears throat> tapped into that kind of world where that that gave ichabod his his first like his knowledge of the occult or his his curiosity but she wasn't. She, sure, yeah. The father, the father was just a maniac, and he was somebody who was just abusive, and he and he and he just locked her up for for some unknown reason. I mean, she could thing. still be a witch. We don't really know. There's a scene where she floats up in the sky, but I imagine. But we his, don't know if that's part of his dream yeah. or if he actually saw that, because yeah. clearly there are real witches. Yeah. But we well, don't know. Uh, so that's what we're yeah we're saying in here that are real witches. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. No, I I just I agree. I agree. So I, I think those were the things that really kind of took me out. So just that, just the Johnny Depp at uh, making the jump that uh, whoever has the head the, controls the all the of a sudden now. understanding of how the magic works and how the curse works. Because mm-hmm. the other thing is like some of the other people are going along with it and 
you know, Katrina seems to know a lot about magic, but it's like, well, then why did they even need Ichabod? Where did all this happen? Like, it just kind of pulled me out. Like, if you kind of know the curse and how it works, mm -hmm. or if a layman who doesn't know anything about magic and doesn't believe in magic knows how to stop the curse, then what are y'all doing? Well, what is the conspiracy? Like, what? Let's break that down because I don't I don't remember it. <laughs> right, I, I, it's complicated. It's the the his friends conspire to what? Steal his land. So Lady Van Tassel used to have land. Okay, she was a poor servant girl. Her mother was right. a poor servant girl. Yep. Her and her sister, with her and her sister, single mother, was accused of being a witch when she was poor and asking for help from the mm -hmm. landlord that lived around there. Which was Van Garrett and Van Tassel. Van right? Garrett, yeah. not Van Tassel at yeah. the time. Right. Uh, Van Tassel came into power, became kind of like the landowner around there. Mm -hmm. Lady Van Tassel, uh, whatever her first name used to be, <laughs> decided to, you know, became, had become a witch as a child, found the body of the Hessian soldier, made a deal with the devil. Hey, he's going to work for me. Mm -hmm. And in return, you can have my soul once I get my revenge. Right. Married Van Tassel later on in life as his um, second wife after Katrina's died. Well, she killed Tried, her. Uh, yeah, after she killed her. She became her, her house. She became her nursemaid or nursemaid, her housemaid. Her house she poisoned yeah. her. Yep, yep. Worked her way in so she could get in the will. And the only and the only way to get out of the will is to, or into the will, is to be the last remaining heir. I think my question is, how does she convince these five dudes to go along with it? Or is it just the Reverend Steenwick she does? because Just she, the Reverend that she okay, convinces to okay. go along with it. And then she convinces the doctor to be silent. Because she knows about him having an affair. So she's got to kill them one by one, the people that know about the will, so she can destroy the will that has Katrina as the only person who's going to get the money and then kill Katrina off, get all the, the money and land, and basically take back what, or get revenge, not take back what was hers, but yeah. get but, revenge. And then she kills that servant girl out in the, to, to, to pretend that it's her. To pretend when she, that it's her because she's dead. But I felt like that was like, uh, that felt out of place. It was just like, oh, then I killed her. I'm like, all right. I don't get why she had to take herself out of the picture. Yeah. Because no one was accusing her at the yeah, time. Yeah. yeah. Unless she only did it because then Johnny Depp or Ichabod knew about her. Mm -hmm. That's kind of convenient as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so did you notice that I get in the notes? You might have probably seen this in the notes, but there are some scenes in the movie are purposely in there to mimic older versions of this story. Yeah. Like I know that. He filmed a lot of uh, Tim Burton filmed a lot of scenes to mimic the 1954, uh, I believe, uh, Disney version of Sleepy Hollow. So you've got the headless horseman with the pumpkin head and he throws it at the screen in the covered bridge. Yeah. And the covered bridge and the 50, frogs. 58. 58. That's close. Okay. And the frogs are croaking Ichabod and yep. horsemen. From, that was really well, cool. some from not just the night from the Disney version. I don't know if that is that the one that was animated. Yeah. OK. Yeah. So he yeah he's act, he's obviously mimicking that to just kind of like an homage which I which I like uh, the you have to have the covered bridge scene I know in this oh, one absolutely. they do it that it's it's you know Braun you know playing a joke on him yeah which you know I don't mind that but you have to have that scene because that, the original story wasn't it always Braun playing a joke on him and Ichabod just scared himself out of Sleepy Hollow yeah but then but then there was a was it was it like that yeah okay I don't know why I felt that okay yeah but I like it still nonetheless oh sure. Um, I think you have to have that scene in there. If, if you didn't have that scene, I, I might have been, I probably would have been disappointed. Like, you got to have the covered bridge scene. That's the, that's the whole point. It's classic CP. And, and also, when Ichabod falls back onto the horse backwards during the final chase, yeah, that's also in the cartoon. Mm -hmm. So they did that as well, which I like. 
So, yeah, yeah, there are some nice callbacks. And I mean, the whole thing is a callback to older movies from the Hammer film productions. Right. Which Those, is why he got Christopher Lee, which is why, like, that was his whole aesthetic. That's what he was going yeah. for. So, yeah, to, to just to follow up on Butler, Tim Burton grew up on Hammer film productions, movies like Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, and, you know, other Roger Corman films. You also used the influence of Black Sunday as uh, for him for this movie. So he used a lot of that. Uh, within the movie that's why he took the, that's why he took the movie he actually took this movie after I, I can't remember what happened with superman lives but he was supposed to direct superman oh, lives man. and superman either, lives he, has it was like a complete that's a whole thing you know what show and he's and he and so this he took this after that so it might have just been like let's just do something i really like and and kind that's of, exactly yeah. what it was yeah yeah so i thought that was cool too also uh, in terms of inspiration johnny depp modeled his performance after Angela Lansbury in Death on the Nile, not obviously the one that just came out two, three years ago. <laughs> uh, Basil Rathbone in the 1939 Sherlock Holmes series and Roddy McDowell's acting style. So that's where Johnny Depp got his influence for how to play his Ichabod Crane. But what I think is interesting is he hates it so much he's never seen this film. He doesn't know. He doesn't, he doesn't like his performance. He doesn't. No, no, no. He doesn't like any of his performance. He doesn't watch any of his movies. Oh, okay. Because I saw the note that he hasn't no, watched no, this no. one. He doesn't watch his own films because he doesn't. He's super critical, which I can understand because I think Joaquin Phoenix does, doesn't watch his movies either, right? Uh, Adam Driver doesn't. No, you I, can't I think, even show Adam Driver a scene. Or he I think out Phoenix doesn't either. I wouldn't. I would be like that too. I wouldn't want to watch it. I'd be like, I'm done. I'm moving. I, on. I'd be fifty fifty because you got to know what you did wrong. Maybe when I'm older. Before. Maybe when I'm older, I'd watch it. Who knows? But, I mean, but you would always just see the mistakes. That's that's probably. Oh why. sure, it would yeah. definitely get in your head. Yeah, I didn't know that Ray Park was actually playing the Horseman. I knew and then forgot and then read it again. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, I, I don't know what his inspiration was. Having no head. No having no head. <laughs> I guess it was the first time it was an actor had his head digitally removed for the part. So it wasn't just some guy in a stuffy suit that's like above him. Mm -hmm. He was actually, the head was digitally removed. So the yeah. horseman actually moved like a headless horseman instead of like some guy who can't see anything out of a shirt. Uh, I, re I read that he was wearing a blue ski mask. Right. That's because that's the scheme yeah. of everything. But that makes sense. I mean, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of the headless horseman getting the kid? Yeah. So my note was, I had a note and it goes, this is my note. So the horseman killed the killing kid. Right. And then I'm reading <laughs> the facts and I'm like, holy crap. He, he did. killed the kid. He, and like, you're so, <laughs> You actually can see the head of the kid's head. He beheads the kid. And this is like a five-year-old, right? It's got to be five yeah. or six. Yeah. So you can actually see the head of him in the sack, I think, at one point. It's like really brief. If you're, that's the last thing he's stuffing yeah. in. But I guess originally Holy you actually saw the head. Cow. And they had to cut it or else it would be NC-17. I, I mean, that's just like, oh, my God, he's killing that kid, too. Well, Tim Burton's note is like kids are always safe in horror movies. And as a kid watching horror movies, it always frustrated me. <laughs> <laughs> that the kid was always safe and was never in real danger. Yeah. So I decided, you know, the kid can die. Oh man, that's rough. That is rough. But hey, I mean, I I, I got to respect that. It kind of goes against the horseman's actions, though. He's only supposed to be killing the people that know. Well, yeah, that was one of the. Just that's the one of the five-year-old no. That's one of the criticisms of of this. Like he's fighting, you know, he's fighting a bunch of people. But like when Bron and um. Ichabod. Ichabod are fighting him. Right. And Ichabod's like, he doesn't want you. He ends up slicing Bron in half. Because he did want Bron was there at the meeting. No, but he wasn't after him. He was walking away from them. He wasn't ordered to kill him at the time. Right. But Bron was a target. But still, that was the thing. Yeah. It wasn't, you know. Like, don't, don't piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, I guess maybe he thought the kid knew something too. But yeah, I noticed that. But they don't show it. They don't show it on screen if you're scared about that. But yeah. He bursts through the fleet. He grabs him. Yeah. 
You're just like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Something I should have mentioned before that I didn't was that this film was nominated for three Academy Awards uh, for cinematography, Lubezki, costume design, Colleen Atwood, and art direction and set direction, Peter Young and Richard Heinrichs, and they actually won an Oscar. So kudos to them. But Butler, as you know, I like to play. Who won this Oscars? You remember? You ready ready to go for this? Yeah. Here we go. So who won the for the cinematographer? Who won that best cinematography? For it was probably the it would be for the, the 2000, 2000 Oscars, Oscars but 1999 movies. movies. We have here they are in no in random order. Okay, so obviously, well, good. You're doing them random because I would I'm gonna uh, remember exactly. the order. Well, I just want I'm not putting the winner first, uh, like that kind of thing. Or maybe I am. Uh, Emmanuel Lebesky was for Sleepy Hollow. He did not win. End of the Affair. Richard Pratt. American Beauty. Conrad Hall. The Insider. Dante Spinotti. And Snow Falling on Cedars. Robert Richardson, which is a beautifully shot film. American Beauty. He did win yeah. American Beauty. I know you don't like American Beauty. Oh, it shot really well. Terrible. <laughs> you should really watch American Beauty again. Why don't you like it? A lot of. I don't like the characters. I don't oh, think they're very realistically so drawn. It's are you kidding I think it's me? Well shot. Are you kidding me? I don't think it's. I don't think. It's oh, well you know what? We. I remember back in the day when we were talking about doing Forgotten Cinema, like Forgotten. What is it called? Forgotten Face Off. Forgotten Fight. Fight Club. Fight Club. That war movies. I would oh, definitely, absolutely. I would definitely fight you on that. Not like physical fight, but like verbally. I saw you verbally. <laughs> so I talked about the set a little bit. Uh, the town, the set of Sleepy Hollow was created from the ground up in three months, and uh, at the time, it was the largest set built in England uh, before Billy Elliot. I guess the set of Billy Elliot. And then I'm trying to think about what in Billy Elliot did they build. I guess an entire city block. That downtown, that town yeah, area? I would guess. Holy cow. I can't believe that. I thought I was thinking the same thing. I was like, wasn't that filmed on location? Yes, I thought it was. <laughs> I guess I was wrong. <laughs> the rooftops? Wow. But uh, yeah, so this town was, this Sleepy Hollow town was, uh, was, was larger than that. So, and also the Western Woods was a soundstage, which you, when you watch it, you're like, oh yeah. But I said we'd get to the behind the scenes stuff, the Kevin Yeager. Do you want to get into that? Do you know about that? I know a little bit about it. So I guess he's a makeup artist. Obviously, Field was telling, saying his credits. He was set to direct this film as his first feature. And then something happened. He got removed. I don't know. I didn't see why he was removed. He um, was. I'm trying to find that note. He was. Uh, he was. This movie was with another company, I believe. It was originally MGM. Right. It was going to be a low budget production. It was going to be this pretentious quote. This is from uh, Adam Schroeder, the producer. It's going to be, quote, a pretentious slasher film with spectacular murder every five minutes or so. And Paramount disagreed with it. They said, no, we don't want to do that. They never really saw it as a commercial movie, uh, Schroeder says. The studio thinks old literary classic and they think The Crucible. We started we start developing it before horror movies come back. So I guess it was just a disagreement. They got rid of him. They, they actually demoted him to makeup. He did makeup effects on this. <laughs> and he ended up and he became like he got a story credit and then basically they gave it to Tim Burton when he came in so he uh, that's that's a that's a tough pill to swallow because yeah. he doesn't do anything after that so I thought that was interesting but then when Tom when Tim Burton comes on he brings on Tom Stoppard as a script doctor which we said before and he right. basically toned down the violence of the script I saw that I'd be interested to see how violent it was before well clearly this is had, the most violent kids heads are getting yeah. chopped off this is the most violent script <laughs> that he's definitely filmed yeah uh, so I thought that was interesting. So there's a little bit of a behind the scenes there in terms of just, uh, you know, what they what was going on. And, but, but this we, happens in all films. Yeah, we've talked about that before in yeah. Forgotten Cinema. People like have their first shot. Yeah. 
And then the studio's like, no, nah, we're going to bring in this guy because he already knows what he's doing. Yeah. It's just like, well, it's the secular, it's the circular system of Hollywood, like the snake eating its own tail. Sure. You can't get in unless you're in, but you can't get in unless you're in, yeah. but then you can't get in. Well, that's how it works. Oh, yeah. And then this, this, well, all this drama that we're talking about started in 1993. So this drama started like five years before production. Production was 98. So this was like five years in the making. Thing. Yes. Obviously, yes. Yes. An ongoing thing. So and that makes sense when you said before horror movies started to come back. Because by 1999, horror movies are back. Well, by nineteen ninety nine, you got Scream. All the Dimension films well, are Scream was ninety six, right? Yeah, ninety six or ninety seven. Ninety six. Because then you had an OG the last summer, which was ninety seven. Yep. And then you just had a, and we're gonna do one next week that came out ninety eight. Just uh, a ton of those teenage, uh, just all of those, movies, yeah. all those nineties horror films, which you know I love some. I love a lot of. I love the spirit of them. Let's put it that way. Um, they're not my slasher eighties that we grew up with. Or I grew up with. Right. But definitely the '90s horror films were its own genre. Um, I think we've talked about this about the genre of horror in terms of where it is and where it's going. Sure, I think we'll get into this next week. We You're probably, getting into next week's episode. We probably will. Would you have liked Marlon Brando as the Hessian? I read that no, not at the point that <laughs> like he was how at. Old I, was he? He was in his 80s, or he would have been I mean, close to he 80. He probably wasn't in shape. He was way out of shape. Uh, this is before. This is a little bit before he did that heist movie that he did. I can't remember the name of it. Just the heist. No, that's with with De Niro. No, he did. No, he did another high school. Oh, movie wait a minute! You talking like, about where the family family business? Something like that. I don't remember, but he's huge in that movie. When did what we did? We did uh, what you call it? What's the movie we did with uh, Matthew Broderick? Uh, the Freshman. When the was freshman, that? Nineteen ninety or eighty yeah, nine? Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, it's yeah. No, what was Monroe? Doctor Moreau was ninety seven. No, ninety six. Monroe was in the mid maybe ninety six. It, it had to have been 96. It was right before he, Val Kilmer did uh Yeah, you're going to, I mean, Batman. I don't want to, I'm not trying to demean anybody, but you're going to, I'm not going to get on a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Where are these sharp teeth? No. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no. I think Christopher Walken does an amazing job as the Hessian, and he doesn't even speak. Yeah. He's got no lines. No. He's uncredited, I believe, in the original cut. Was he uncredited? I think so. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, it's just, he's really, really good. And immediately, as soon as you see him, you know it's Christopher Walken. Of course. It is. The, the bright eyes, the sharp teeth, the crazy hair. I think he's great. And that last kiss he gives. Oh, when he uh, cuts her. he takes the Van, Miss Van Tassel away. Yeah. It's awesome. What did you, speaking of that, what did you think about the CGI? I mean, for the most part, the CGI was, there were two no, instances of CGI you really notice. The witch with her skull popping out. Yep. Which was cartoony and stupid. Yep. Uh, but classically Tim Burton. And then the, Hessian when he gets his head come back. I thought that was okay. I thought yeah. it was a little jarring because there hasn't been hadn't been special effects that whole time. But I prefer that to him just going putting it on and then cutting away to some of their reactions. Then all of a sudden he's got his head back. Mm-hmm. I what, liked seeing the kind of ten, tendons and stuff come up. What about uh when he jumps into the the horse and him jump out and jump into the tree? That I thought thing. that was okay. It's yeah. just kind of like you're jumping into a tarp. Right. It didn't bother me. And I think the blood. In his dream is CGI when that oh, when thing she explodes, his mom explodes. Yeah, blood, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a little. Uh, yeah. Although I love the blood. We're talking about blood when he's doing the autopsy, <laughs> and he doesn't know how to make the first cut, and then it just squirts on his face. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> I love that. Speaking of the blood, did you know that the because the exteriors of this movie were shot with a blue filter to kind of give it that look that you see in the movie? So the blood when they're doing exteriors had to be actually orange in order I for it to look that, red. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Uh, I think that goes into what was the movie we did that was black and white. And we we're talking about how different 
uh, there was different colors for different for for black and white. It couldn't just be you. You're not going to put red up. It's going to be it's going to come off. It's not going to play red. Frank and Weenie. And yeah, they had to recolor everything. Yeah, so they had to figure refigure out how people made black mm-hmm. and white films in the 30s. Right, like it had been known to the people in the 30s and then lost. Yeah, just like 60, 70 years later, something they had to refigure out. Like blue can't just be blue. Yeah, if you want it to kind of look the way blue would look in black and white. Well, I'm waiting like for like 20 years from now when people want to shoot on film and they have to use to ask some of the old guys, "Hey, how do you shoot on film?" I don't understand. A and light. Christopher Nolan comes down from his pedestal. <laughs> film is God, and he starts doing it. Use the light meter. The what? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> okay, the computer just tells AI just tells me how to do that. Um, Lubezki and Burton actually thought about shooting this film black and white that up, and yep. four three, which I was like, mm. no, that that, but that's why it's got the black and white. I wouldn't mind the four three aspect. Uh, I don't know about the four three, but I will say this. I started noticing at the end of the film, and I don't know if you noticed this, but there were scenes in the church when the lightning was strike, it was black and white. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. And there were and there were pops of color in terms of red or whatever, but like it was black and white towards and I don't and I was like, is that throughout the movie or is that just towards the I ending? did think toward the end it started to get more and more like just the colors that were used on set mm-hmm. became blacks and whites and mm-hmm. grays. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of blue around the fog, and that's really all that was there. Yeah. So I, I thought that was really cool. Um, you know, I just I, I I was like, I wanted to go back. I didn't. I wanted to go back <laughs> and see, like, wait a minute, is it all like that? But it was not. Do you know that they're doing a reboot? I mean, it's a Washington Irving story from the so, 1700s. So but this is it. like from June of last year that Paramount is rebooting this with Lindsay Beer to write and direct. I had no idea who who Lindsay Beer was, so I looked her up. She's doing the upcoming Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. She did the TV show The Magic Order, and that's it. And then I'm like, then I look at her list of like what else she's got coming out. Look at this list that she's working on as a writer. Now, obviously, who knows if 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 what you read on the internet's right. Right. Star Trek Four, Mask, Mobile Armored Strike Command, Short Circuit, Bambi, and there's other ones too. There's like four other ones. Like so, she's doing all these movies. So I mean, that's great. But I, Pet, Pet Cemetery Bloodlines must be really good if. They want her to take on Sleepy Hollow. Pet Cemetery Bloodlines is coming direct to the Paramount Plus. Well, although it's got David Duchovny in it. Well, here's the thing: you can't really, in this day and age of streamers, you really can't hold that against anybody anymore. It's not true. like it's no, it's not good enough for theatrical because Prey should have been in, in movie Absolutely, theaters. That's true. Prey is a, a big time theatrical film. You could watch. You could have put Prey in IMAX and it would have done very well. Yep. But that's just not. It's not the focus. The focus is get money, get sure. people on on the know, streamers. So, yeah, exactly. It's no longer about dumping on TV anymore. But I mean, when she says she's remaking the Sleepy Hollow film, I mean, you can go so many ways. It doesn't necessarily have to be a remake of the original. I mean, I don't think you should because we've, I've seen it. I think the 1999 version is done well enough where you've done it. Yeah. Do something different. But I think you can do that story plenty of different ways. See, I wouldn't mind you. I wouldn't mind having that story still be, be canon. And it's like a, a sequel. And it's in the present, and it's like, oh yeah, I heard this stuff, ha-. and you just kind of the Hessian comes back, like that stuff. They did that. It was called Sleepy Hollow, the TV series. It ran for three seasons. Well, it I'm started not, out really good, and I'm then went. That. Was that a Fox show? Yeah. yeah. What do you What do you expect? First five episodes are great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do- I wouldn't mind you doing the story and making, you know, making it Bron the the headless horseman. Faking out Ichabod and his family, but maybe yeah, actually, <laughs> telling other people wife. to try to like get back at him for some reason. But uh, a guy that believes in the supernatural blowing it out of proportion, right? Right, could be interesting. <laughs> the windmill that exploded, the windmill is awesome. So that no, uh, so number one, that wasn't on set; it was too big. They yeah, had they had to, to make a fourth right, scale model. Right. 
But if you're sitting here going, why would the windmill explode? I oh, wish I was. I didn't understand that. Why does it explode? Why does the windmill actually explode? Because apparently flour in high quantities is more explosive than gunpowder. <laughs> Keep your flour away yeah. from the stove. Stop making bread. Highly combustible <laughs> in large quantities. Highly combustible. I'm like, I want to. I almost want to see that in action, but not really. <laughs> but like, I was like, holy cow, what? But that's that's interesting. Well, that's apparently really, like really interesting. A few like a few deaths a year from flour explosions in Ooh. mills. Still, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I was like, what? We eat that. <laughs> <laughs> Never going near a stove when I'm eating bread again. Seriously, what happens if you spill flour? Like, what's I, the large quantity? Like, how large? I think you need sacks and sacks. We worked at a place that had sacks of flour, but not near an open flame. <laughs> well, I mean, they could be. <laughs> Why don't we get into some reviews, as I like to do? All right. Give me some. Throw them on me. I don't know, because you kind of like this film, so I don't want to. Uh, maybe I should look for the bad ones. Let me look for the ones that criticize. Okay, here we go. Mick LaSalle from the San Francisco Chronicle criticized Burton's perceived image as a creative artist. All Sleepy Hollow has going for it is art direction. And even in that, it falls back on cliche. Crapping all over Tim Burton. What are you talking about? Crapping all over Tim Burton. If you think about Tim Burton in one way, yes, all he is going for in art direction, sure. Mm -hmm. But it's a good direction. Mm -hmm. And it's really unique and really interesting. Mm -hmm. And has inspired numerous, like he's one of the most inspirational people in terms of like, like avant-garde, like uh, expressionistic work, probably in the last 30, 40 years. Right. What are you talking about? Talking out your butt, dude. <laughs> no, no. Uh, David Sterrett of the Christian Science Monitor praised Burton's filmmaking and the highly spirited acting of cast. I, I love the high spirited acting of cast. That seems like that seems that's almost really like a put down. Yeah. But it's almost like backhanded. Oh, you guys are really spirited. You really spirited. Good uh, job. Did you like my performance? It was spirited. It was spirited. <laughs> but he believed that the script, Andrew Kevin Walker's writing, was too repetitious and formulaic for the third act. Was is it? Do you agree? Because you said you had some issues. Was it does kind of wrap up quick. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, let's get Johnny. Yeah, uh, Ichabod's in a carriage. He's leaving. Oh wait, no, I figured it out. Mm -hmm. We don't really get a chance, which I I never like in in murder mysteries, mm -hmm. not getting a chance to figure it out with the with the detective. Right. This is another case of just. Ah, now tell me your backstory. We never knew it was you. <laughs> tell me why you did all this. And what was the clue that led me to really know this? So I do agree with that. Okay. But that's, I don't know if you can poke holes in Sleepy Hollow for that, because again, that's literally every murder mystery. I love Knives Out, but Knives Out got the same problem at the end. It's just like, why was it Bandit or whatever his name is? Well, because we need it to be. Who bandit who? Uh, Chris Evans' character. He's got some kind of name like that. That really? I don't remember his name. Bandit. Yeah. Bandit or something. McSmokey and the Bandit. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I'm on that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so why are we saying this movie is forgotten, Butler? I think when you think about Tim Burton movies, for the most part, like you said, you wouldn't recommend this to people who, like, you wouldn't really recommend this to people. Oh, like yeah, in general. I, I, in general, yeah. like you wouldn't be like, hey, you should watch Sleepy Hollow. I think. I really like this film, and even I would probably, for most people, if they liked Tim Burton, I would say Nightmare for Christmas, Batman. If you really like Tim Burton, Batman Returns is even more creepy. Beetlejuice is probably my favorite. Edward Scissorhands. Uh, Edward Scissor Scissorhands. You don't like Edward Scissorhands? I have to watch. I haven't watched it in a long you time. Should, I used to think it was boring when I was. No, there. see, I think you would really appreciate it because Edward Scissorhands has a lot of emotion that you really don't. I probably about. would get now. Yeah, yeah. I used to watch it when I was a kid, but I used because my mom liked it, but I used to think it was kind of boring. Uh, it, it's it's 
I think coming off of Batman, I think you're expecting certain something. And I almost want to watch the trailers. I think the trailers kind of make you think it's something. Yeah, it's but it's not. like a really good holiday film. It's 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 sweet. I don't know. Sure. It's just sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of Beetlejuice. I think Beetlejuice. That's also partly Michael Keaton and uh, Alec Baldwin. Still Tim Burton. The Tim cast Burton. is great, but Tim Burton's there. Jack Nicholson. Beetlejuice? No, Batman. Oh, oh for oh, Batman. Batman. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking about you. Oh, that's right. You said you were. I said Beetlejuice. To, I do love Batman. Batman sorry. was probably my favorite growing up, but now as an adult, no, I think I like Jack Beetlejuice. Jack Nicholson was in Beetlejuice and Sam. He said, Yeah, I gotta watch people. it again. Oh, the real film. He's the flat guy. But again, we just named a bunch of movies to recommend before that. And I think that, again, I think this is a good starting movie for Tim Burton. Like, oh, he's so weird for me. Start out with this movie. It's a thriller. Like you said, it's, I think it's got a lot of Tim Burton style, but not too much. It doesn't have those weird trees and it's kind of a more realistic set mm-hmm. and setting. The story is just a murder mystery. Start with that. It's more mainstream and then go from there. Do you think that Tim Burton uh, has the, the, with the advent of CGI has negatively affected Tim Burton's work in terms of his his uh current work right now because i find that i like older tim burton stuff and i'm not saying that because oh he's lost it as a storyteller but i just think that when having to be creative with the tools that he has practical effects i think he does better whereas something like charlie and the chocolate factory oh i i i despise extremely just cgi laden and i'm just like i lose it i lose like interest so do you that's my question do you think that uh tim burton without the cgi is a much stronger storyteller than with it i'd have to get a list that is that is a lot of you'd have to go through the whole thing yeah that's probably i know i don't like charlie and the chocolate factory uh Dumbo isn't really him. I will agree. Okay, I don't like the Alice movies that much either. Okay. I do think there's an overreliance on CG and just effects to like wow the audience, but there's not as much maybe thought and heart as there should be mm-hmm. in the Alice movies. Mm-hmm. It's all just here. Look, Johnny Depp's kooky, and we're in this weird CGI world. Yeah. So I will agree with that. I mean, I'm a I love Big Fish. I think Big Fish is a Big really Fish good is great. Film. And it's his most personal film. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not saying I'm not anti CGI. I don't like Dark Shadows, but that's not CGI. That's just not a good movie. <laughs> but the, he did Sweeney Todd in 2007, and that's almost all practical other than the blood. True. The CGI there is just the atmosphere, the background, the background making it yeah, in London, stuff like that. Um, probably some of the blood. And that's uh, after Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. I, I just, I think that, like, I don't know. I just, uh, I, I'm again. I'm not hating on CGI, but I think that it allows you to do things maybe that you shouldn't do. Like there, you, maybe you shouldn't have some of these films with the CGI. Maybe you just shouldn't do everything sure. you need to do. But he's also kind of, with the exception of maybe Dark Shadows and uh, like Frank and Weenie was probably his last really Tim Burtony movie. Mm-hmm. And then he got The Killers. He did a music video. Then he did Big Eyes, which I don't even remember. Big, Big Eyes, Eyes is with um, uh, it's with uh, what's it's what's uh lois lane um oh my goodness i'm amy I'm, adams yes it's with amy adams and christoph waltz where there, it's the famous uh painting where she was painting those big oh, those pictures with the girl with the big now. eyes i recall i never saw it. and he the husband was just like stealing credit for him so it's like a it's like a biography drama it's probably more along the lines of like a big fish sure Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children is okay. It's more of a kids' movie. I think that was meant to do have more than one movie. 
that bad. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's supposed to be a series. But that, and that's how it felt. That you movie. got Dumbo, Alice in Wonderland. It's like when he's forced to be in these little Disney hey, Jack. <laughs> when he's forced to be in these little Disney movies, I think that that, or not little, but these Disney movies, he's forced into a particular bubble. Yeah. Well, I, he, I just don't know if we've been able to ball. see. He, he, it's a work for hire kind yeah. of thing. I gotcha. And I I, there's nothing wrong with see that. see a Tim Burton movie. People got You got, you got expenses. You gotta, you gotta pay for your kids to go to school. You gotta, you gotta pay for your houses. I get it. I totally get it. <laughs> So there's no no shame. So I'm, what's his upcoming work on IMDb? Beetlejuice. Oh, he's doing Beetlejuice too. Uh, that could during be the no no. <laughs> that could be a return to form. Yeah, I don't know. I just want I want something that's less CGI. Yeah, so, I would. I've always said this. Not to cut you off. I apologize for cutting off. But I've always said this. These act these these directors that we grew up with: Spielberg, Scorsese, um, Burton, everyone. Yeah. I would love them to just be like, here's. Five million dollars. Go make a movie, and you're not going to get any of your bells and whistles. You just just use your talent. Yeah, you're going to get help, people helping you out. I'm sure you're going to get. Hey, I'll work with you. That's fine. Sure, but like you don't, you're not going to get the big time budget to do. You know, you can't do Bridge of Spies. Right, all the backdrop. Right, all that kind of go stuff. do yeah. a movie. I would love to see just that type of film. Like, and I and I I I don't think they would disappoint. I think you would get something that would be exciting and just like it would just be. It would be something brand new. Sure. We have returned to form. I would love to see that. I mean, the one thing I will say with Beetlejuice 2 is you see in the props, like some guy sold a chair from Beetlejuice 2 already. Really? Uh, it's a hundred pound chair. Stole it right off the set. That's great. How I did that. That's great. The house has been rebuilt and it's an actual set. So like they're they're filming on locations. Is Alec Baldwin in this? Uh, no. Oh. Just Winona Ryder. Or maybe he has a cameo. Just Winona Ryder is, and uh, Michael Keaton so far. But I mean, you might get you know, it depends on what the afterlife looks like. Does it still look like all built sets and uh, and all that kind of stuff? That, that'll be disappointing. Exactly. If it it, it's, this could be a return to form where this might prove what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Is he now over reliant or is he um, is he going back to his roots now that he's not constrained by a Disney mm -hmm. archetype that he's dealing with? What's he going to do? Well, Disney owns like a giant chunk of hollywood right well, now. well i just mean like doing a dumbo or doing an alice in wonderland sure like disney let him do frank and weenie and frank and weenie is definitely very tim burton yeah oh yeah totally yeah well, that might have been hey fine go do frank and weenie. yeah these for us well i forget how we got to this tangent because i think that i asked you why we think it's forgotten well i just think did you answer it's it? got so many other films that you're gonna recommend before okay. this okay and we're now at 24 years since it's been out all right well that's that's all right it's good to know all right butler <laughs> As I ask, I'd always at the end of every episode. Sure. Where can they find us? You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or YouTube now. Because that's right. If you're looking at me right now, if you're not just listening to me, but looking at me, we're on YouTube. We apologize. You should like <laughs> and subscribe. All that good stuff helps the video grow. It really does help. I know YouTubers say it all the time, but then you see the ones that don't and you see the algorithm. I actually watch. I actually watch a YouTube channel where the guy was like, ah, don't do it. I don't think it matters. And then four months later it goes, guys, I know I said it doesn't matter, but I'm dying. I think it really matters. You should like and subscribe. I've changed my mind. I really think it actually helps. I'm just along for the ride. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Butler, just like, and listen to him. So like, subscribe. We'll see you next week. Field, what are we doing next week? We are staying in the 90s. We're taking going back a year. Uh, we're going to go catch a movie called Disturbing Behavior. I don't know if you've ever seen it before. I've heard of it. James Marsden, Katie Holmes. I hear it's Razor. So <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're doing. We're doing Disturbing Behavior, directed by David Nutter, X-Files. So I think there's that added bonus for us, right? 
Uh, that's all I'm going to talk about. Whoa. I think you can kind of get an idea of what next week's going to be like. Yeah. <laughs> Until then, I am Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. Wait, Forgotten Horror. Keep it spooky, y'all.